put on Facebook this week a post, there just has to be more to life than this. And it was a, a hook to try and get people's interest peaked. And man, it was, it was crazy. All the messages I got, the private messages I got, the posts that went under, it was like, that's how I feel. That's me. And I had people clicking that they're interested in coming. And it wasn't meant to just be a hook, but it's the title of our message this morning. There just has to be more to life than this. I'm asking you to do something new. Andrew mentioned posting stuff to social media. But if you have any one-liners that you, that you hear, because I've got my message that I'm going to deliver, but God's going to speak to you, and God's going to tell you stuff that isn't even in my message. And if you get something and you want to post that to social media, if you would just put up a hashtag, better together, whenever you put that in there, and we're going to start seeing some trending things. So we're trying to use social media as much as we can. So, if you'll turn in your Bibles with me, we're going to take a journey to Matthew 25, 14. We're going to start with 14. This is the parable of the three servants. So we're just going to go through this story real quick. And again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Now, of course, this is Jesus telling a story when he's ministering to everybody. So that's where we're at. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it into the portions according to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant who had two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. And after a long time, the master returned and called them to give an account of how they'd used his money. But the servant who had been trusted five bags of silver came forward with the five and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and look, I've earned five more. Now, isn't that just like us? The guy that did the best, he's like wanting to be first in line going, hey, pick me, pick me. Let, me. let me tell you what I did. Here, you gave me five. Here's ten. Next in line is the guy with two. So then the master says to him, he was so full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you more responsible responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the two bags came and said, Master, here's two and I've earned two more. He also said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you more responsibilities Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. But look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew that I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate... Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten. And to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But 
of course, we've heard that scripture. We've heard that story many, many times. And it's the principle of money is one way. But it's, I like in the King James, it says talents, because that was the measure of money that they had. The bags of silver were measured in talents. But to me, it also speaks to my actual talents, what God has given me, what God has given you. Our time, how we spend our time, what God has given and entrusted to us. But now the interesting thing that I want to see in this is not just about the actual story, but I want to take a step back and look at it from a different perspective, and I want you to look at it with me. The two, the one with the five and the one with the two bags of silver, the two talents and the five talents, says they went and worked. They didn't set back. They jumped out, and it became work for them, and they invested it, and it was working. But can't you see that they were doing synergy together? They're both on the same path. They're working alongside each other. They're like, hey, I got five. I'm not worried about you got two, or you got two. I'm not worried about this. I'm worried about what I've got. But hey, man, we're working this together. I want to suggest to you those two. Now, this is a parable of Jesus, and this is just a story Jesus told you. And there's nothing more. It didn't really happen. It's a parable. It's a story, an allegory that he made up. But I want to tell you that God's principles is multifaceted, and that's what I'm trying to grab here. So I'm not trying to stretch the scriptures, but I want to just illustrate another point that I believe that's here. But the one that tried to do it all by himself, he didn't get anywhere. Because when he's sitting there by himself, it's like, well, I, you know, I don't know what to do. And, you know, I, I might lose it. And it, it's just better for me just to put it in the ground. It's better for me to just hide it and just store it up. And I'll just do nothing because at least I can give you back what you gave me. I see the paradox between the two that linked up and worked versus the one that says, I'm going to do nothing. Think back to when you had games, that you played games with friends. Maybe it's three-on-three or dodgeball. Everyone had to stand in line. Does everybody remember that? And then the two captains would come out, and they would pick their teams. They'd say, okay, I want you. And then the next one, again, I want you. And the next one, and you're just weeding it down. Of course, they're trying to pick the best people from the very beginning and get it all down. And you try and line up your team so that you have the best people on your team. I think about my son, Alec our oldest son, and he was going to high school at Bayshore, and he he didn't know anybody there, and he's about this tall, but he's phenomenal. He's been phenomenal with the ball, any kind of ball, anything you want to give to him. When I first met him, he's three years old, with a tennis ball and a big, the racket was as big as he was, and he was out there keeping up with his tennis instructor. I mean, he's just, anything with the ball, God's gifted him with that. And so he is phenomenal, baseball, basketball, anything he wants to do, but he went to play basketball with the pickup game, And so all these big guys are there, and they're all, you know, trying to pick their teams. So they're picking, and here's Alec just standing over here. Phenomenal. Nobody knew that. And so everybody's picking all these people, and someone who knew him came walking in and just bent over laughing. Remember this story? Just laughing. goes, you guys are so stupid. You need to pick this little white boy. They're like, what are you talking about? He's like, trust me. I've seen him play. You want to pick this little white boy. So finally, he was put on a team, and then they started seeing that he would just be outside the three line and just whoosh, he just like nailed it. Everywhere he went, put it up, it went in. And they're all like, oh my gosh, I wish I'd picked him first. But think about that. As good as Alec is with a ball, 
he still needs a team. Think about how good Steph Curry is today, probably the best basketball player in the world right now, and phenomenal in everything he's worked to be where he's at. And as amazing he is, can you imagine if he went out and tried to play without his team? One-on-one, you could probably just get smoked without anybody in the world trying after him. Just It would be fun to watch, but he's probably going to win. Two-on-one against Steph Curry, it might be a little bit more interesting. Okay, you're going to run him around a little bit, and you're going to keep him, you can wear him out. But then you put three-on-one, you put four-on-one, you put five-on-one, the one being Steph Curry. No matter how amazing he is, he still could get run around. And you could get shots on them because one person can't do it by themselves. Even how amazing they were. Look at Jesus. He came as a man. He is God, though. He could have done anything he wanted. He could have just got a secretary or he could have got, you know, just a, a guy to travel with him to carry his bags and go get him water and, you know, all this stuff. And then he just does it all himself. Can't you see? He's got it all going on there. What do he do? He went and picked a team of 12 people who were completely unqualified. Completely not in the ministry, not in, didn't have any clue about God or religion or anything, which is a great thing, is a plus actually. And he took them and he says, hey, I'm going to invest into you. He even took three of them to the garden to pray with him. He didn't do it alone. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. That that life is abundant life. This is what his desire is for us. You see, Jesus could have just walked on the earth. He could have walked on the water. He could have floated on the air. He could have been a superman. But he says, the life I come to give you is more abundant But guess what it needs? You need people. You will not be judged in heaven by how much you went to church. Have you ever thought about that? God's not going to be saying, well, let's check your attendance. Let's see how much you're in church. Let's see if you're going to make it in. Okay, you're in the, the poor side of heaven. You're in the other side of the tracks in heaven. It's not that way at all. It says you will be judged, though, by your personal relationship with Jesus, who is the way to the Father. You will be judged on your fruits. By judged, I don't mean the big judge setting up on the big um, the desk and looking down on you and you know just you're shaking the finger at you, but it says you're going to be called to accountability like we saw in the parable that Jesus said. Called to accountability. What did you do? with what I gave you. That's the most amazing thing about what we're doing as a church, that step three of the growth track is where we actually find out what God's gifts are inside of you. That we can say, hey, this is what God has placed in you, and we want to help you cultivate that. We want to identify that, and we want to put you on a path so you can maximize and do what God has called you to do. Matthew 7 Well, before we get there, you will be judged by your fruits. 
I want you, if you're taking notes, to go study Matthew 7, verses 17 through 20 later. We're just going to look at the last verse of that. But go study that whole thing. But verse 20, the end of that says, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can look at an apple tree and go, those are apples. It's pretty simple. Okay, there's bright orange things hanging down. That's an orange tree. There's these long clumps of yellow things that are hanging out. That's a banana, okay? Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. What was the parable Jesus gave? What they did. The two went out and worked. The one went back and said, no, I'm not going to do anything. I don't really know what to do, so I'm just going to do it all by myself, and I'm just going to keep it all going on. You can identify people by their actions. I had a, I, I've told this story several times, and you'll hear it a million times more because it just went off inside of me when God just revealed this to me. But I have a friend that I was driving home from work and just been ministering to her for the longest time and just trying to pour into her the walk of God and what it's like to be a Christian for real and just having a personal relationship with Jesus. And this one particular time, I said, listen, let me tell you what I want. I said, let me see your hand. So she gave me her hand to shake hands. And I'm like, no, that's not what I want. Let me have the other hand. And I grabbed that hand. I said, let me just tell you what I want. I want to tell you that I don't have it all together. I make mistakes. I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to not do it right all the time. But I'm trying my hardest, and I'm going to follow God. And as I follow God, I'm wanting you to come follow me following him. So I want you to hold my hand, and I'm going to lead you in the way, and I'm going to teach you everything that I know, and I'm going to try and help you with all the things that you need to know. But I don't know it all, but we're going to work this thing together. See, we're better together. So I said, then a few months down the road, you're going to have some things built up inside of you and you're going to have someone that you find and you're going to grab them by the hand and say, listen, I don't know it all. I don't have it all together. I'm still trying to figure this whole thing out myself. But will you just come along on this journey with me as I'm following Pastor Kevin and we're following Jesus? And then the next one, a few months later, she'll get somebody. He will get someone. And then they could, and we start doing this. And on the other side, I've got somebody else over here. I said, you know what that is? Because this thing will get bigger and bigger and bigger. You know what that is? She goes, what? It was a moment. I'm building it up, building it up, building it up. I said, this is called church. And she goes, what? That's church. Church isn't a building. It isn't the doors that we walk into. It, God says, the church is us. But it's not just me. Jesus was the totality of God. But he chose not to be alone. He chose to be us. That's what we have to do as well. So you see, we produce fruit. We know God is pleased. Where two or more are gathered, says in Matthew 18, 20, there he is. doesn't say if you come to church on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock and there's two or more, then God will show up anywhere you are. So when we're doing serve day, 
on July 15th, and we're out mowing some grass or painting or fixing a door, whatever, we find the projects of the people in this area that have need, that can't do it. You know, a widow or a widower or a single mom or whatever those situations where we can just be the hands and feet of Jesus. When we're there together and we're just doing this stuff, Jesus says, hey, man, I'm right there with you. I'm going to jump right in. There's two of you, and you're just doing this. We have small groups, and you're getting a small group, and you guys are just out playing basketball, and you're having fun. He goes, man, there's two or three of you out on the basketball court. I, I'm going to come right down there and be there with you. If you're going to go over here and do crocheting and needling and make quilts, and you're going to do all of these other things, where there's two or three of you, man, I'm going to jump in there because we're better together. So... Taking that scripture of Mark, sorry, Matthew 18, two are gathered. If I'm one, God will have a personal relationship with me, but is the synergy of the two and God showing up going to happen? Just a thought. John 15 says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. When you, when you, when you. So if you don't do this part, then, okay, I'll let you draw your own conclusions there. This brings glory to my Father. The next verse says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. So he's giving you two different things. When you produce fruit, we just saw it. You can tell a fruit, a tree, by the fruit it bears. If it doesn't bear any fruit, you can tell it. Okay, then he says, If you've loved me as my father's loved you, remain in my love. So stay in togetherness. Don't just try and do it by yourself. Remain in my love. The next verse says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. See, there's not just one person doing something. Jesus is showing a progression. He's showing you produce fruit. When you got all of this production, when it's fruitful, when it's happening, when you're seeing the realization of it, it's because you're my disciples. You're following what I'm saying. You're remaining in my love just as I'm remaining in my Father's love. And we are in this together. And verse 11 says, and I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So there's got to be more to life than this. Boils down to right here. You will be filled with my joy. The joy of knowing this is what God created me for. This is why I'm here when I'm doing that. I want to challenge you that if you aren't fulfilled in life, if you're saying there's got to be more to life than this, you're not in what God has for you. Because when you have that joy and it's overflowing, you go, I am living the dream. This is, this is what I was created for. I look at Steph Curry out there and you can just tell he's loving it. It is not work at all. He's making a paycheck. It is not work at all for him. He's living the dream. When I'm up here, I'm living the dream. When I'm talking to someone, I see the lights go on in their, in their life, and they start seeing the realization, and they start getting it. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this was even available to me. This, I didn't know this. 
I'm living the dream. I'm in that joy. There has to be more to life than this. Good news, there is. So I want to suggest to you, being together, we can help to maintain momentum. We can battle discouragement. We can pray for each other. And we weather the storms together. Momentum, the team again. So you've got, I'm using basketball back and forth today. You've got the breakaway. You've got the one guy that throws it long. You've got the other guys that are going down there. They're catching it, and they're trying. You've got momentum going on. Can you imagine trying to do a breakaway, and you're trying to run down there by yourself and get the ball you just threw and trying to, you don't have any momentum there. It's called hysteria. It's craziness. But when you've got a team and we're all working together, we can get momentum going on there. So the analogy of me holding hands and then holding hands with someone else and and just helping them all and they're following God as I'm following Jesus and we're all in this together, we start building momentum. Jesus with his disciples, when they showed up, Jesus with 12 guys show up, and so all of a sudden there's there's a group. It's like, what's going on here? I don't even know. Jesus hasn't even opened his mouth. There hasn't been a miracle happen at all. But something's happening because man, there's, there's momentum here just with them showing up. We go on serve day and we go walking down the street. We go into a thing. It's like, oh, what's going on over here? It's not going to just be one person going over here. It's going to be a group of us going over and doing this stuff and knocking these things out. Put that, put that um, thing back up, please. We'll leave it here for a second. We have momentum, but it helps battle discouragement. I have bad days. You guys probably don't, but I have bad days that I'm like, how's this all going to work out? Even in the midst of living the dream that's the greatest thing in the world, there's still times to go, I don't know. I can get discouraged. I don't get discouraged, thank God, I don't get discouraged by the number of people who are here or aren't here. I get discouraged with some other things, though. But when I'm discouraged, guess what I tend to want to do? I want to be alone. I want to pull the covers over my head and go, ah, I just go back to sleep. But we're better together when we're in relationship. You can help me battle discouragement. I help you battle discouragement. When we first started planning this church, I was still shaky with it all. I knew God called us, and it's been affirmed and validated and all this stuff. But I'll be honest with you. We, we called a couple of times and had dinner with the Shears, and I needed John to be there to help me because I was battling discouragement. He doesn't even know that. does now. But I needed people with me. Can I suggest you need people with you? And to pray for each other. Even Jesus, he's facing the garden of Gethsemane. He's facing the crucifixion. He knew what was coming. He didn't say, okay, you guys, you don't have it all together anyway. So y'all just go over there. I'm just going to go over here by myself. He goes, no, come go with me. Pray with me. They had no idea what they were praying for. They had no idea what he knew. They were still praying there with him. He comes back in their sleep. He goes, guys, 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 wake up. I need you to pray for me. This is Jesus, the son of God, the perfect son of God, okay, the completeness of God. He, as a man, says, I need you to pray for me. We're better together. We can pray for each other. 
Jesus needed prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. We need to be in this relationship together. We need to be in small groups together so that we have this ability to be better together. We weather the storms together. Man, if I'm going through something, I want somebody there that's going to hold my arms up that says, hey, you're going to make it through. Lenore and I have this thing that we say when it starts getting really, (laughs) we're like, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. And the cool thing is in the past couple of weeks, it's went from we're going to make it. And you can tell there's faith involved in that statement to we're going to make it. Can you hear the difference? Same words, different inflections. But I need her. She needs me. We're better together. She's amazing all by herself, but we're better together. We are better together. We close your eyes and let's pray. Father God, I've heard so many people over the course of time in frustration just thinking there's got to be more to life than this. And Lord, I've, I know of people that have thought that this is all there is. It's terrible. If this is all there is, why even continue? Lord, you gave us the ability to be in relationships. Jesus, you modeled it for us that you didn't just come and just show off how awesome you are as God and just leave us all in the dust. Could have. You are. But Lord, you showed us that we're better together. You showed us that the more in life is when we're making a difference in someone else. That it's all about people. Lord, in the past few weeks as we've been studying your word, we've seen that the harvest is people. That we've got to be about that harvest. But that harvest isn't just grain in a big field and we just look at it, all the people in this area who don't know you. But Lord, it's the people that we put intentionality with that bring people in with them. It's that line that's being made with us holding hands And pouring into one on our left and on our right. And then teaching them to pour into one on their left and on their right. And then keeping it going. That we build your church. Father God, I'm so challenged by this word that you gave me. And I'm praying that you are challenging everyone in the sound of my voice. As well. Lord, that not only are we better together, that we show your glory, that we remain in your love, but we produce fruit that is also people. That they produce fruit, which is your likeness in them. That their lives change as a result of us. Father, today, 
I pray you help us to always keep this in mind and to know that we're better together. With your heads bowed, where you're at listening to this or watching this, the first step to being better together is to actually get on God's team. And I don't know where you're at today. Maybe today you would say, Pastor Kevin, I'm far from God. I once knew him or I've never known him. Maybe you've walked away. Maybe you've let things in life tell you that you're better by yourself. Maybe you're like the one guy that's over there trying to do life by himself. Today can be your day to come back. If that's you, and you know because you feel it just being, your heart being tugged right now as I'm even saying those words, I'm going to ask you to say this prayer with me. Just say it in your heart. Mean it. God in heaven, thank you for sending your son to die in my place to pay for my sins so I don't have to. I ask you to forgive me for living my life without you. Please forgive me. I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today, I give you my life. If that's you that prayed that prayer, I ask you to let us know. Email us, write, us, write in to us. There's plenty of ways you can get in touch with us. Let us know you prayed that prayer. Father, as we close the service, I thank you that we can all take steps this week towards togetherness. To know that those people around me need me to help them I need them to help me, that we're better together. In Jesus' name we pray.